0: hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to amtv radio this is the podcast where i'm joined by a very special guest each time and we wax lyrical for an hour about well whatever we want to really and this time i am joined by a very special guest indeed it's a content creator i've admired for a good few years now here on youtube he's the guy who tells you if it sucks or not i am joined by harry's haunted house harry thank you so much for coming on today no problem man hello to everybody and everybody around the world (laughs) That's a great intro. I mean, <laughs> accessible worldwide. I like it. I like it. But um, the first question I've been asking all my guests, Harry, really, is just as you're probably aware, in 2020, the world's kind of gone to shit. Quite frankly, you know, everything's everything's going wrong. It's all you know, great start to a new decade. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how have you how have you personally found everything with the pandemic? Because it affected you greatly or not so much? Or
1: I mean. Uh, I could probably start by saying that on on top of a high horse, it it's it is obviously affected everybody. Sure. Very much. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm very fortunate. I consider myself very fortunate that um, I made the move to start uh, working from home around November last year, okay. and that has been like the norm for me before um, lockdown was even a thing. So Mm. um, I haven't really changed my uh, situation, only in that um, there have been a sort of... uh, There was definitely a, a move to find time to get out of the house every now and again and not just mm. spend all day long editing videos <laughs> and uh, writing scripts and the like so um, mm. uh, and, and obviously any attempts to do that uh, be it to find new hobbies and the, and the like have kind of been uh, shut down so that that has been my biggest kind of uh, sadness I should say yeah. uh, with regards to the current situation H- how have you been keeping up man
0: yeah it's a, it's an interesting one I think I mean I was I was really gutted when it sort of took hold here in the UK. UK because on the when I'm not doing YouTube I'm a professional actor by trade that's what I trained in oh, and stuff awesome. so <laughs> a very elusive job at the best of times and uh, I mean the industry's kind of dead at the minute so but never mind never mind but back then in March I was actually rehearsing for um it was a brand new musical that was going to tour around the Yorkshire area where I'm from called No Horizon and it was um it was my first time being cast as the lead in something like that so I was quite excited and oh, um, wow. we were 2 days away from opening night and then we got the call to we had to stop because a little pandemic had just begun. So yeah, it is what it is. You know, I'm not bitter or anything. You can't help it. It was the right decision. But I think initially I was quite gutted and I, I sort of lost a lot of motivation and drive. But then I just bounced back with YouTube. I started uploading daily, which is something I'd never done before. And um. Yeah, it's been all right. I've enjoyed the, I'm sure you have this as well. Like, you know, when you just have like waves of creativity and you have so many ideas that you want to make for YouTube and so many things you want to try and you just step forth with it. So it's been a real sort of creative zenith for me during this lockdown, but um, not on the whole though, I'm glad to hear you've coped with it, you know, relatively well in the grand scheme of things. It's fantastic. And um, just for anyone who isn't aware of like yourself or the work on your channel, uh, could you just summarize like the kind of videos you make and what you're all about here on YouTube? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, as Adam said, I am pretty
1: much the man who asks if it sucked or not. Uh, <laughs> that, that That is the the selling point of the channel, uh, mm. mainly. Uh, I mean, I've, I've kind of flitted, fr- uh, well, yeah, flirted with different uh, types of reviews and mainly relating to uh, TV shows and movies, whether that be a, a review or um, just kind of having a look at it and picking apart what is just so flipping great about it yeah. um it, you have more than i mean most people who are not like subscribed but may have on the off chance seen a video of mine will probably be one of my black mirror videos sure. um, which, which yeah is just like i say it picks apart all of the best parts of it but um because uh, of the shall we say recent decline in that particular show's mm. quality i've been <laughs> kind of um navigating around uh doctor who and mm-hmm. other kind of projects that uh, I-, I found interesting so for example uh the mandalorian was something that i was really mm. excited about and i thought oh yeah that is definitely got to be something that i'm gonna cover in yeah. the present and obviously in the near future because i know they've got another series of that coming out in um october but uh yeah it's it's been pretty much on on the up of uh if, if you're interested in uh predominantly uh doctor who or black mm. mirror they're my two kind of they're my bread and butter shows really yeah. that i've covered I've, I've done a couple of other bits and bobs but um i've been making videos for a good yeah nearly six years now of the main kind of review things and um that's pretty much uh a, as a summarizable
0: i could Possibly get for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant, mate. And um, actually, I-, I watched the. um I was curious when I was like just preparing everything for this recording. I was curious as like, what was the first? Did it suck for Doctor Who you did in particular? Because I, I said I jumped on it about series 11 when Jodie took over. Yes. And I think, unless I missaw it, it was the start of the Capaldi era, was the first. That's one. right. Yeah. Yeah, cause Cause there was,
1: yeah, there was a point where I was kind of like, I, I did feel a little bit kind of. Bored of the show by the time um, Matt Smith came along, and it's probably just a bit of teenage angst mixed in <laughs> with a bit of, I don't know, I, I'm too old for this shit kind yeah, of thing. But, yeah. um, simultaneously, I, I thought, you know, it'd be a fresh start. Maybe there might be something uh, new to it all, uh, but unfortunately, the, the first episode did kind of. I felt was a bit of a letdown and I I'd been kind of quiet on the subject for a long time and I felt that that would have be been a good jumping on point to start making videos on that but the thing is like you know it, it that, that was what like uh it, it wasn't really what took the channel off I think it was more no, the black no. mirror stuff or mm. even harry potter was uh, another thing that I did for a while that um kind of elevated the channel a bit further but um yeah you're right deep breath would it was my very first one and um i've uh not looked back at those videos since i have (laughs) no i i'm imagining horrific audio quality Uh... awful editing nonsensical arguments galore in those videos i have not the foggiest but that was literally because like at that time i'd just gone to uh I, I just moved to cambridge to to do my degree mm. and um i wanted a kind of side hobby to occupy the time with because i just had so much flipping free time at that point that i just yeah, thought yeah. okay might as well give it a go and uh yeah that's uh, that's
0: where it kind of started no of course man like i think uh, it was interesting to watch <laughs> re-watch that first one because like there is a there is a difference but again i wouldn't say it was It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I I feel you about looking back at old videos. I recently did uh, on my channel a a special uh, for 10,000 subscribers, which was, um, well, I I do a series on my channel where I do, it's called A Brief History, just where I talk about, you know, a history of something I'm interested in. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. And I thought it'd be novel to do one just about myself, not necessarily about all my life, but like how I evolved on YouTube, if you like. But that meant going back and watching like my first videos and... Uh, oh, that was a slog. Like, <laughs> fil- filmed on like a Samsung Galaxy S2 with the flashlight on and horrific, or like, oh, the whole thing was just abysmal. But I think, you know, uh, part of me was like, well, part of me is like, I won't delete them because, you know, <laughs> they were the first. And even though as cringy as they are, for me at least, I think it's a nice reminder to see how far I've come as a content creator. I don't know if you feel the same way. I like, oh, think sure. you you'll man, keep those if, up if, yeah if
1: you're on 10k already go kudos to you man because like the the amount of time it takes to even get to a hundred i mean maybe you could uh agree with me or not here but i'd mm. swear that like that first like jump is the hardest bit to get to, and then when you get to like those higher, yeah, seriously, congratulations on getting 10k, oh, man. man. Well, like, the... if you've got the, the the ability to look back on that at 10k, like I remember when because I, I wanted to do, I did attempt like a kind of live stream thing mm. when I realized, oh, yeah, it's been five years since like I started uh, doing reviews. Um, in a more kind of serious capacity. Because everything I'd done before that was just like Dark Souls games. I was just playing video games with my Mm -hmm. mate and just uploading that. But um, up until then, I hadn't really kind of done anything like that. But on that fateful day, shall we say, yeah, it was last (laughs) year, I tried doing a live stream. And it just all went to to it just went kaput. I I don't I'm not I've been very unlucky with live streams. And, oh really? Um, yeah. I the only time I ever had a real kind of success with that was um, when I did uh, Simpsons Hit and Run. But that was that oh, that, that was mate. like two or three years ago. <laughs> Quality
0: game, one of the best games of like that. Gen- like unironically as well, like one of the best games of that generation. I think. Like I Absolutely. love Simpsons Hit and Run. And What was the other one I loved? There's, there's another one that's, was it a kids game? I don't know. But Simpsons, yeah, that needs a remaster or a remake <laughs> or a sequel. If we can oh, get man. Battle for Bikini Bottom remastered, oh, yes. then we need to do Simpsons Hit and Run. It's In it waves is, it of nostalgia right now, man. <laughs> oh please, honestly, like PlayStation Two stuff. Like I, I don't know what you think about this, like, but you know that there, there seems to be like a window, you know, when like consoles or games enter that realm of being like retro or nostalgic. Oh, and yeah, I feel. Yeah. I feel the PS2, Xbox, GameCube as started. They had been for a while, but I think they're now like fully into that zone. In my opinion, people seem to be looking back on them with those glasses. Whereas, like say the Wii, Xbox 360, they haven't quite reached that whatever that imaginary threshold is. I mean, do you think that's the case, or? I think in a lot of ways, it's
1: probably down to the fact that um, if you're talking about. Um consoles that require so if if you look at the wii u uh, sorry wii u the the original (laughs) nintendo wii which had a Mm. lot of kind of motion sensory stuff you can't really replicate that in a in a modern kind of console like era you wouldn't be able to I, i know that they that there are wii like emulators for example but things like the original playstation gamecube and uh uh, xbox i'm sure you could probably on a low end um machine like a computer would be able to replicate all of that and so you can go mm. back and revisit all of these uh quote unquote dead consoles um <laughs> But at the same time, um, you know, it's it, it, you're right. I think that when people suddenly turn around and realize, oh, my God, the year is 2020. And <laughs> and I had a, a console 20 years ago that was brand yeah. new. And I thought it was the, all the rage. there's definitely got to be a nostalgia value to that for sure.
0: No, absolutely. My very first console was a PlayStation 1 and because uh, that came out was it like 95 96 originally oh god i don't know man so i've never
1: actually owned a sony console myself oh man i'm ashamed more... to say i no, had the, no, i had no the shame. xbox but um my first console well you know I, I had um i was quite fond of um well i don't say fond of i think i was
0: <laughs> my family were only able to afford handheld
1: consoles back <laughs> that's then. Fair, that's so you know yeah. game boy advance i was all about pokemon man
0: yeah ah uh, see i i was a Oh kid It's got to be set. I know I know. we could get it. (laughs) No, I don't know what it was. Like, Pokemon... I mean, because the show was on, of course. You know, in the early 2000s, it was, like, everywhere. You couldn't escape it. And I I caught the show, and the show was fine. But I I don't know if you had this. Like, with Pokemon, like, the card game specifically, it seemed like anyone who brought it into school didn't actually know how to play it. It was just, (laughs) oh, look at the shiny card I have. And I, I was always like, well, how do we play? How do we play? And everyone was like, oh, well... I don't know. You just look at the cards. (laughs) Whereas with Yu-Gi-Oh, like, yeah, as complex as it was, when you think of it as, like, you know, mainly a children's game, it was quite complex. But once I figured out how to play it, I was like, cool. I know actually how to engage in this more than just being like, look at this shiny piece of cardboard I have. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what turned me off Pokemon. And with the games, uh, I just never had the games. I don't know why I had a Game Boy Advance. But, yeah, I was more into the well not into i think like you said by what what we could afford uh yeah, cheap yeah. movie tie-ins on game boy advance so like oh, yeah. ch- chicken little what a banger what a banger on game boy advance that was
1: uh oh my god yeah i've just remembered as well there was a jimmy neutron game i had on, uh, oh, on Game yes. Boy. <laughs> yes wasn't it like he, he, he was fighting like an evil version of himself
0: or Something like that. Oh, I
1: can't remember, but I just remember the first level you were running around, like, his hometown. And then whenever you entered the levels, they would become, like, a 2D
0: jump and collect <laughs> coins kind of mario thing. I feel that was like every game boy advance game ever. It'd be like yes. look we can do 3D. We promise. Look here's some 3D but then it was like yeah but we can't do it for the whole thing so yeah, now it's yeah. 2D side scroller. Oh man, I I love it's nice to talk about games and stuff actually because it's not really something I do on my on my channel like no, I me mentioned either. it here and there but yeah, I just feel I've been te- I don't know if you've been tempted. I've been tempted to do like oh I'll do like a game live stream, or I might talk about games and stuff, but I just, I look at what's out there, and it's almost like every single possible thing you could say about video games has been done, and I know it's like you can do your own spin, you can do your own take on it, etc, but for me at least, there just seems to be so, so much I'm kind of like, eh, what's what what am I gonna bring? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I the market that, but... is
1: definitely saturated with gaming content at the moment because it's so much easier to just throw um, gaming content onto a platform like YouTube. Mm. Um, aside, you know, compared to talking about a TV show where you run the risk of getting like a copyright claim or yeah, whatever, yeah. and 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 like, it's it's just two different mediums, I think, because you've got. Um, the, the the thing with uh, video games in a lot of ways is uh, the experience, although everybody may or may not be playing the same game, everyone has their own unique experience of uh, how they beat it, how long mm. it took them, what parts they discovered, what they don't, you know, it's like... Um, Whereas with a TV show or a movie, everyone is getting exactly the same package. Obviously, everyone's getting different reactions and responses to it, which is exactly why YouTube is a perfect platform for uh, opinions based on those particular things. Um, But because uh, the uh, content itself is so much more uh, easily produced and uh, less risky with video games, I think that's probably why that
0: saturation has occurred. Yeah and I think especially when the bigger people on the, or like the you know the top subscribed creators focus on gaming like I think everyone it's that classic thing in it people look at what bigger people are doing and think ah how can i do that or yeah or in some cases they just blatantly copy them which i don't condone whatsoever but you know <laughs> it happens but talking yeah. about different reactions uh the think is if anyone who saw on twitter uh, w- one of them i mean i wanted to chat with you for several reasons but one of the main reasons i wanted to chat with you was because uh from watching you did it suck series on series 12 i think we've got wildly different opinions and i'm uh-huh. I'm, I'm all for trust me i'm all for like hearing different opinions i'm not one of these people who's like oh no you're wrong you you can't say." do you know what i mean i'm not not about that so so yeah for everyone out there what were your thoughts on series 12
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's it that's That's i can't even put it into a word (laughs) that's the best
0: summary ever just uh. (laughs) no that that's that's fair that's fair as I'm saying like anyone who's listening who is curious to if you want more than a sound effect uh, harry has done a whole did it suck series on series 12 um i want to bring it mainly to obviously the big one you know the timeless children Every everyone's favorite (laughs) um so, obviously, the, there were several big twists in that, and I'll just say now, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it, because the next few minutes is probably going to be talking all about it. So, um, obviously, the big reveal that, you know, the Doctor's the Timeless Child, and there's these pre-Hartnell incarnations and stuff. Um, what what was it, in your view, that you took, like, issue with that as a fan or a viewer?
1: Well, I think the main thing is that um, the, the... So, let me start from the point of that... I know a lot of people were very unhappy because of the um, shall we say lack of due respect towards Hartnell. And the thing is, mm. I'm I, honestly I, I know absolutely bugger all about the classic era of Who, like mm, sure. it, at all. Like yeah. I I've only watched like about maybe should we say five or six stories. Like I sure. I'm not somebody who's gone back and watched all of that. Like the the, yeah. the history of it, because I think that is something that um, obviously is definitely to be taken into consideration. Mm. But because I've been, um, shall we say, closely um, examining the show more than perhaps your average viewer might. Sure. Um, yeah. It, and you know, f- for every single review, for full disclosure, I will watch the episode twice to mm. get the full gist of it, and you know, then I will be able to make a full kind of opinion on it. And um, the the main thing for me is less so the, uh, shall we say, proclaimed insult, but more the general quality of the show in comparison to uh, what I would deem the, the, the kind of golden era of the show between about 2005 and 2010. Yeah. So we're talking about, um, you know, there is a, an expectation... To be met but simultaneously you know it has to still surprise us enough to um uh, make it watchable because you can't Hmm. just you know rehash everything as it was because then you know it's that would be a a worse decision to make and you know i will i think i probably might have mentioned the fact that I was happy that they took a risk, at the very least, yes, to yeah. give it its due credit where it is due, because obviously, you know, it's it's not like the if 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 they if they had taken. The scenario that I had described Previously where you know it was just A rehash of everything that had come before Mm. Then I probably wouldn't even be watching It but you know it still Continues to evolve it tries to kind of Manipulate itself into uh, Something consumable And uh, Shall we say uh I think yeah, accessible is definitely the word I'm looking for here because it, it's now it, it's it's a show that's not just exclusively something that's aired on in the UK anymore. It is mm. global, it, yeah. and it has got a it, it's got a different approach to what it once had. But I definitely think it's more a myriad of different quality drops that are mm. consistent within each episode. As opposed to something that genuinely upset me specifically in that episode which i think a lot of people have got the opinion of that you know oh the 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 timeless children has is is the worst episode ever can't believe it you know and and, Mm. you know i've I've definitely seen worse episodes than the timeless (laughs) children even though i still think it is a bad episode sure Um, yeah so that's that's the kind of um the 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 full swing of of where i'm coming from looking at this and Mm. I, I will add as well that you know it's it has been about five months since i last had a proper talk about it so if you did have any particular moments or any comments that i made you know about it that you you, you may perhaps take issue with or if you think you that I, i'm wrong about I'm, I'm more than happy to uh you know respond to if, if you've got anything like that perhaps
0: sure no yeah i, I did uh, i did re-watch your review and i mean uh, like i said at the start like your whole style of reviewing and how you go about it and how you use all the factors you know like the editing and the clips you use like I've always appreciated that style because well there's clearly a lot of time and effort into it like you say you watch the stories twice and I'll be honest there was there was nothing in it inherently that sort of you know made me sit up and go whoa like that's either that you know I think that's out of order or like I think yeah you think it's a bad episode but the way you constructed it was completely fair what i what i personally don't like is when people um again not saying i don't want to hear their opinions but it's when you read their opinions and it seems more obviously i don't want to like you know label because obviously the only people who know what's going on in their head is themselves but when you read an opinion where it seems like that same thought and effort hasn't gone into it and it just seems more like a personal attack at the people involved so say attacking like jody or Chris chibnall and at the end of the day they're people employed by the BBC to make a show. I don't think there's this opinion, I don't know if you've seen it, that, oh, Jodie Whitaker and Chris Chibnall are out to destroy Doctor Who. Like, that is their <laughs> that is their intention. And I'm like, well, they're being hired and paid to make this show, so why would they want to try and get it cancelled? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the opinions that annoy me more. Not that I don't want to hear them, but it's just like it doesn't seem constructive to me it's like well you just you're just rambling now it's like there's no whereas with yours like you're providing points you're giving evidence you're backing it up that's what i appreciate but um i mean in my view i I'll talk about what I enjoyed in a moment. Yeah, but the please one do, because th-
1: uh, this is the thing, like, you know, it, it, with, with the, the, and I think this is just a general problem with social media and YouTube in general. This is why I really love that we are, you know, having this conversation yeah. is because when you make these kind of uh, reviews and things, the, the, the temptation is to just scan through all of your comments who are all like, yes, absolutely. I totally agree. No, no, no. I, I really want to hear like, you know, what exactly <laughs> it is that, you know, you enjoyed about it, what others have enjoyed about it, because you don't really get it really really when you've got when when you've got like your own opinion about something and you're just you know
0: looking at the next project that you're going to make after that
1: uh, no, and, from my point of view anyway
0: no exactly and i think with social media like when it's just text it's so easy to misinterpret For like sure, the tone of yeah. thing doesn't matter how many emojis or whatever you use i think it can be so easily misconstrued so like you say yeah i'm glad we're doing this because at least we can hear each other's voices we, yeah. you get more of a clearer picture yeah. but um the one main thing i would have changed i'll say that first was I would have loved it if the timeless child was the master instead of the doctor. and yes. a lot of people have said that because that just would have provided so much more, not that he didn't have it before, but it would have given the master so much more like motivation as, as a character. It would have given it, it given him something unique. It would yeah. have given it something like almost a one over the doctor, which would yeah. probably make the doctor more afraid of the master. Cause I love those moments in the show where, cause obviously they're both time Lords or whatever, but I love the moments throughout Who history where you can see the Doctor is in fear of the Master, Mm. you know, what they might do, of their power, whatever. And if the Master had been revealed to be the Timeless Child, I thought that would have been, like, the perfect moment of that scenario, if that makes sense. But... You know, alas, that didn't happen. I mean, part yeah. of me in my head's like, I'm hoping the master was just lying this whole time, and he actually is, and he's just waiting for a <laughs> another grand reveal. But you know, sadly, I don't know it's going to happen. But um, I will no, just add I... as well, though, as a caveat to that, I think because mm. if that was the case, because I think uh,
1: one of the things that I kind of uh, thought about when I was reviewing Spyfall is that like there there had to be some kind of reason for why mm. he. Was the way he was, and it just seemed very kind of arbitrary and spontaneous. But had that been the case, yeah, I think that would have tied into
0: it quite nicely. Yeah. Well, series thirteen, you never know, <laughs> might be yeah. an absolute if it, if it isn't completely cancelled by COVID. But yeah. Oh uh, well, that, that's another story, isn't it? But um, uh, yeah, cancelled
1: by COVID.
0: The, the, the story COVID. of the of the of twenty twenty. No, exactly. Um, what I... Yeah, like like you said, the bit I agree with you on is that they took a risk. I'm really glad they did because I think Doctor Who, whether it works or not, as, as you sort of mentioned, like, it thrives on evolving and taking risks and doing something different. Like, of course, I think sometimes people forget in, you know, in the 60s when the Doctor first changed, that would have been seen back then as a big risk because it had never been done mm. before. And and yeah. all those moments, like, revealing the Doctor was a Time Lord in the end of the 60s and that the Time Lords after, you know, all those sort of big moments. It's like we've got to remember at some point they were seen as risks as well so yes i'm glad they took one yeah. um when i was watching it i didn't inherently like react with oh my god they're destroying everything i was like okay you know i was just sort of rolling with it as it was unfolding i was like okay like tell me more tell me what's going on um did the time lords like need a backstory as to like why they have regenerative powers not really but i mean it was it was what it was and i think the big thing i enjoyed was that um i know it might sound a bit odd but you know how it changed it changes a lot of things but also doesn't change that much at all yeah and i yeah. I, I think it opens up this whole thing with pre hartnell doctors is it opens up this this whole history that now either we as fans or the people who run the show or the spin-offs like big finish it's like it's now up to them whether they want to tap into that or not mm-hmm. and i think if they did tap into it um that's that's fine because those incarnations i would argue aren't labeled as the doctor i mean my thing with it is i don't know if you saw a lot of people were saying oh like they've destroyed william hartnell's legacy then he's not the first doctor anymore etc etc my view was what i took from it was yes you have these pre-incarnations but to the best of our knowledge the william hartnell one when it was all reset was the first incarnation to label or title himself as the doctor and um, so in my view, and I felt this while watching it, it didn't sort of take time. I just thought it as I was, as it was going along. William Hartnell is still the first Doctor by by title. He's not the first incarnation necessarily, but still the first incarnation to take that title, if that makes sense. So that's how I oversaw that in my head. But the only thing that sort of stands in that way is the Joe Martin Doctor. Yeah, because I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing that sort of blocks in my head. Only because she, you know, she has a police box, TARDIS... It's and and she calls herself the Doctor. So where does that? And I know people say it's the. Have you heard of like the whole six B theory between uh, Doctors two and three? Oh, I wish I had time to look up theories, man. Oh, that's unfortunately, fair. I don't. That's <laughs> fair. It, it, to like really briefly summarise it, so at the end of the second Doctor's time, you know the Time Lord sent him into exile. Mm. But then there's this whole subplot where there's a theory that before they changed his appearance, they sent him on a bunch of missions, right. and obviously with any gap in Doctor Who history, that could be expanded to infinity. Yeah. So a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they changed his appearance several times in this gap. And one of them was the Joe Martin Doctor because she has like a 60s looking TARDIS, blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I think with any theory, and I don't know if you agree, Like, I think the connections are always going to be there if you really want them to be. Oh but yeah, it's for sure. Just... Yeah, but um, no, I, I mean, I've enjoyed this series as a whole, to be honest. I've enjoyed the sense of, Just the sense of fun I've had with it, because, I mean, Doctor Who, for me, when Jodie started, I mean, you know, you had all these expectations in the press and the media about, oh, it's a woman doctor. Is it going to be any good? Blah, blah, blah. But I just sort of said to myself, just watch it as best you can and just see if you're just enjoying it. Are you having fun with it? And I am having fun with it. I'm really enjoying it um what she's doing with the character i'm really enjoying the dynamic she has with certain characters not all of them granted and i think some of the companions are horribly underwritten but um <laughs> so uh that's yeah that's a given but um no on the whole i like how it's been progressing i mean uh, I, I know a lot of people say oh there's not enough moments where the doctor's if you like embracing the darker side of her nature you know that more old wise side where things can get a bit down and a bit bleak like, series 11, it was, like, positivity train all the way through, if you like. Um, and I don't know, I kind of like that sort of slow mellowness, how the darker moments have come in series 12. Like, you know, when she sees the master's recording or when um after, when she confronts her companions in Villo and all that sort of stuff. So I'm liking the sort of slow burn with it myself. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, is there any particular... Point you want to like sort of challenge me on or debate oh, me oh, on? I'm, no, I'm open no, to I, it. Honestly, all, like... it's it's like the thing
1: is at the end of the day, if you're enjoying it, that that is great to hear because you know, at least it's not like at least not everybody is railing against it, you know. There, there's clearly an audience there for it, which is something that I have been kind of pondering whether that is a, a, a truism or not, because um from again it's it's all about that kind of um echo chamber bubble theory of social media that you know the people that you're going to talk to about doctor who are going to be the people who agree with you about it and sure. you know but uh, for 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 good or for bad you you know i the last thing i want is people you know clashing on the internet about stuff mm. but this yeah. is why i like th- having the ability to um just make a full fledged 24 minute review about <laughs> yeah. what i thought about it um, yeah because the thing is, is like you know, there are so many aspects of any kind of TV show, regardless of whether we're talking about uh, Doctor Who or Black Mirror. Um, but because there are, there are, um, there's, there's obviously technical side and there's story side. And um, for me, the. The main thing that I, whilst you were talking, I was thinking about was that particular episode, The Fugitive of the Jadoon, mm. Um because that really did blow my mind. Uh, honestly, it was my favorite episode of Jodie's era so far. Mm. And um, albeit, you know, Jack's flipping... Um, <laughs> cameo shall we say was so ridiculously pointless and i was i was begging for him to come back and i think that was the that also does play into the later events because Mm. the thing is with when you think about and i say i've mentioned the idea of the golden era of who each series had this kind of continuing arc or some kind of teasing shall we say of a great thing to come and it always had such a great payoff by Hmm. the end of the series and then when you throw something like um there were regenerations before Hartnell potentially you know that doesn't seem to be too bad in my mind because we are talking about an individual who is quote-unquote invincible and can change their face when they when they're dying and Hmm. it wasn't um, Chibnall, who decided that the thirteen regenerations thing was a bad idea because it would limit the amount of series <laughs> they would be able to create, that was Moffat who undid that and mm. said, "Yeah, we're going to make this forever and ever and ever," <laughs> which was, you know, something that I don't think I really picked up on until I um, had a look back at the the the, the show the show from two thousand and five until as it stands now. Um, mm. And the thing is, is obviously whoever's going to take charge of it um, is going to have to make it surprising enough. And that's why I was so pleased with Fugitive because it really did please me in in the sense that when I watched um, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, I was so um, hooked on the idea of um, the show being more centralized on earth being a, mm. a, a far more uh, character driven um and, and maybe even a story driven uh show instead of having all of the spectacle that they try and throw in um in the finales that we're just so kind of accustomed to or became accustomed to with uh both the Davies and the Moffat eras yeah, um, that they might be stripping it back a bit. But the thing is, is that by the time that um, everything started to unfold and we just kind of got more of the same in series 11 by the time that the whole thing had finished, um, that I was expecting exactly the same thing again. And it like I said, it, it has its ups and downs, as every series does. But unfortunately, I find that in a general sense, and especially on a technical sense, the show really does let down um mm. especially because um a lot of uh, other modern shows are truly out competing it and i feel sorry for the bbc who don't really have a lot of other uh, fantasy science fiction properties that they can throw money at um at the same time they're not really known for that either and no. it, it, again so many factors at play here but i still feel that you know we, when I talk about the the show as it is, I really do have to kind of conceptualize how it has been since 2005, and of course, this doesn't take into account all the classic era and I know that there will be a whole bunch of people who are really unhappy with me because <laughs> I don't know the full story you know it, it, but that's just me you know I, no, I'm sure. i not I'm not like some 50 year old guy who is just you know had to sit through however many years of no Doctor Who being on TV I've literally known for uh, over half of my life the show being on nearly every year. And that—that yeah. that is just my impression of it. You know, I, I don't know anybody that's got like the the knowledge that I might perhaps desire. But at the same time, I don't even desire going back and watching them
0: all of the flipping however many years it was, twenty six years. Yes, yeah, so long the show. Time. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I've always been of the opinion, if you know, like you say, you've watched some classic, you've seen some stories, but I, I feel if you don't decide to delve into the whole shebang, then that's absolutely fine. I think, doc, you know, it's there. It's there to be consumed if, if fans want to, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. I think, you know, you're just as much as a fan if you've only seen the new series, I think. I don't, that's, I mean there's well there's many points of fandom i could talk about that i don't like but one of them is this whole thing of oh if you haven't seen the classic era then you're not a you know call it like a true fan a pure Mm. you know whatever you call it and and these people who go oh i've been watching doctor who since the very first episode when i was like six or so and i'm like great good for you (laughs) that that doesn't put you above me or below do you know what i mean it's like it's that that's the sort of thing i don't like but um it's funny you mention about the technical aspect, and I I absolutely agree. And I was chatting with him. Um, are you familiar with Josh Snares on YouTube? You know that
1: rings a bell. I'm going to do a quick search on there. Uh, is that S N A R E S.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. He makes um primarily makes like uh, documentaries on uh some era of the classic show, mainly the '60s oh. and like all the missing episodes and stuff. It's really cool, really, it, it, and he does it in a very accessible way for those who maybe aren't as clued up. But I was having a chat with him. About uh, And he brought the same thing as you, like, you know, this whole technical aspect, like, compared to other shows that are just out there in general, on a technical level, Doctor Who can't really compete. And I thought, and I wonder what you think about this, you know, in Jodie's era, they swapped, I don't know the exact specs, but they swapped, like, camera lenses to, like, more cinema-like filmography, almost. Mm. I can't remember the actual term, but I remember it being a thing in, like, Doctor Who magazine and stuff. They said, oh, they're swapping lenses and it's going to be more like the cinema. And I think that, whilst you can get some really nice shots for, like, you know, backgrounds or landscapes or whatever, I just think in the technical department, it doesn't actually help it. I think it hinders it more, because it shows up how, I guess, you know, basic, if you like, compared to game of thrones westworld all that sort of stuff do you know what i mean i don't know if you agree it just yeah
1: there's i think the main i i i, I know absolutely nothing about cameras man i I, <laughs> I really wish i could go out and you know i i can i can tell you about this lens i can tell you about yeah, this Nikon yeah, yeah. thing but i i know nothing <laughs> no, about that's that right. but all i can say is that you know there's a there's a like a, a change in the aspect ratio because um The whole time it's been revived, it has been in sixteen by nine, which Mm. majority of TVs, monitors, phones are um, set by. Uh, It's the widescreen that has kind of come in, uh, probably at the turn of the millennium, because Mm. it used to be a lot. It used to be letterbox four by three, yeah, and then they kind of crunched it down a bit. And I'm not sure what the reasoning behind it is, because if we're talking about like a cinema uh width it would be wider than what uh we've been presented with in series eleven and twelve i, I i'm I'm not too sure on on the exact details, but I yeah, do yeah. know that they have done a lot of um screenings of say the pilot episode or even like the fiftieth anniversary they had that on at the cinemas mm-hmm. when it was first when it first came out and I don't know if that was kind of. Um, in some kind of uh assistance to that but again the uh the cinema widescreen if we were looking at it like um i don't know compare it to a film by quentin tarantino for example who always yeah. has the same uh, aspect ratio we would see far bigger black bars no oh, of course than we would in the uh series 11 and 12 because like the line goes right through the bbc icon uh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah the little logo in the corner and for some reason that just drives me mad <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> but it, uh,
0: maybe I, i've got some kind of ocd or something i don't know no that's fair man it's just it was just that whole thing of like noticing the shift and where it works but where it also hinders the show because i mean i've been rewatching some of the uh, like series one and two Eccleston and Tennant and yeah you know some of the effects these days maybe arguably even back then weren't necessarily like you know fantastic oh god but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean uh the Krillitanes in school reunion for one I mean lest <laughs> <the lesser, Yeah. laughs> we forget but uh yeah. I, I don't know there's just something even though you as you said you know they're like not as good as what else was available but I don't know, it might just be me, it's just this whole aspect change or whatever to me just makes some of the effects look worse than they did in like those early seasons of the revival, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but I will tell you what, though, even though I, I do enjoy the Jodie era a lot, the writing in series one in particular, like, because I was uh, with my girlfriend the other day and we were watching, we were just browsing, and I said, oh, let's watch some Doctor Who, and we put on Dalek, and still, I think, 15 years on, my God, like the writing in that story, like yeah. the pacing of it. Like one of my favorite scenes in All Doc 2 is literally the scene when he first goes in the cage and has, you know, that chat with the Dalek. Oh God, like yeah. it's just so like his his rage, his power, like the emotion. And somehow the Dalek conveying like a whole range of emotions, even though it's meant to be this yeah, emotionless I being. Know. <laughs> like it portrays like sass and like clapbacks. And yeah. especially with, oddly enough, when, you know, in Rose first season it and it's acting all like sad and stuff, like I find that strangely powerful, and I'm like, I know what happens. Like I know it's doing this on purpose, but there's, I just don't know how they managed to cram all of that into one forty-five minute story, and yet now you've got stories that are fifty minutes or even some of the hour-long ones that, in my opinion, they just don't compete. And no, yeah, you're it's... right. And yeah, just series one on the whole, actually, I really do enjoy Like Eccleston's one of my favorite doctors personally. Yeah. And I'm really glad he's coming back. Are you going to get the Big Finish audios or is that not something you delve into? Well, um, <laughs> the thing is, uh, I've not
1: really kind of, I've, I've definitely not delved into Big Finish, but I've been recommended persistently by my fans <laughs> to give them a go. And I know yeah. that they're kind of coming from the, the the angle of you know this was what they had before um Eccleston was about because I I, if I I, correct me if I'm wrong I I think that they were kind of going on in the sort of intermediary years between 1989 and 2005.
0: Yeah I think it I think it started in 97 or 8 so yeah like after the McGann movie but yeah.
1: Sure yeah but the the thing is like I I've I'm happy that he is coming back because I know that he has sort of been very distant from the show. Um, uh, well, partly understandably, but yeah, you know, at course. the same time, it's like, um, I've not really, I spend, I think it, the main thing is I spend enough time, um, watching these old episodes back or watching the new series and covering them on the channel that like all this extra content, it's the same as the classic, I just don't really have time for it firstly, but, no, sure. um, you know, when I finished all of the, um, all the Moffat stuff, I might return to it I might have a look at it. But, um, simultaneously I have been, um, one of my patrons, um, who i just to shamelessly plug myself on no, Patreon no, plug here, away, but plug um, away. they, um, I, I've, I've set it up so that there's a certain category where if you, if you donate a certain amount a month, you get a request video, and somebody has Ooh. requested um, the spare parts big finish um, story, uh, so yes. that will yeah. be my first spare, uh, not my first spare parts adventure, <laughs> <laughs> my first big finish uh, adventure. So it will be very interesting to uh, give that a go um but uh as far as um if i enjoy that then yeah i probably will give it uh give eccleston a try again
0: it's, it's all going to be down to that really no absolutely i mean spare parts i haven't it's one of those ones i've wanted to because again like you say it's one i think a lot of fans who adore big finish like that's one of oh, yeah. like the top 10 everyone talks about it and last year they released it on like a lovely Like a vinyl edition, and I I love vinyl, so I was like oh, but and I was so torn because it was a bit pricey, but I was like yeah, but look at it. I mean, they also did one of the Daleks' Master Plan, like the whole twelve part soundtrack, and I was like oh, don't do this because it was like ninety pounds, and I was like no, and I didn't in the end. Yeah, they they ramped those things up, but my God, I was I was tempted, I was very tempted, (laughs) but um no i mean some big finisher or- i mean i've only delved into some myself like I- i've listened to the very first one they did because that was like on sale i think it was like five pounds but uh-huh. which oddly enough is a multi-doctor story it's uh doctors five six and seven and uh even then like you know for 97 98 whatever like you know in some aspects of the audio realm it's a bit primitive but it's still a it's fun you know and i've listened to um jubilee which is written by rob sherman i don't know if you oh have heard yeah of that the one. dalek writer right yeah, and I think, well, having listened to it, there are elements of Jubilee that definitely inspired Dalek, absolutely um i mean I, as i say i've listened to them i've not listened to them since i'm i mean if you're happy to send them to you if you want i've got them on cd it's not like i'm gonna listen to them again so, <laughs> oh, all um... right yeah well I'll, I'll take you up on that man if i enjoy this yeah, uh, spare yeah. parts one um yeah let me the, know
1: um i believe that that was actually one of the, ins- the the spare parts one was uh an inspiration for the rise of the cybermen age mm. of steel episodes i've
0: heard yeah i, I think i think it is and um, i've got to say those two episodes i think uh Probably my favorite of series two. Interesting. Even even more than... I I mean, when I was a kid, it was Army and Ghost Doomsday because, let's face it, when you're 10 years old, there's Daleks and Cybermen fighting at the same time and saying really, like, sly insults at each other. Like, this is hilarious. Um, But, yeah, in hindsight, I don't know. Again, it's like that thing about I was talking with Dalek, like, you know, just sort of how powerful the writing is in a way. Um, There's so many moments for me in in Rise and Age of Steel where it, it just it just hits like even now 14 years on like uh for example the uh when they down when the doctor and mrs moore down a cyberman but then it remembers who it is and it's the woman who was going to get married oh
1: yeah uh, there's that
0: for example don't know why but that hits every time um and the bit for me and no i don't i've never seen anyone talk about this and you'll probably think like what the hell is he talking about but it's a it's a very specific shot <laughs> which lasts for about four seconds. So I'll try and set it up as best I can. Sure. So the Doctor, in, in Age of Steel, the Doctor's just put, you know, the code in the mobile phone. They've all started going insane. Oh, yeah. And it's the shot where the Cyberman sees its reflection and David Tennant's, like, behind it in the reflection and he just does his, you know, his classic, I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. sorry. I know exactly <laughs> the
1: shot you're talking about. But
0: you know what? I don't know what it is, just the way it's done and, like, how even though it's just like making a bunch of moaning sounds, if you like, you can tell like the shock, the fear, the terror that this person inside this suit is now, you know, experiencing all at once. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that, those like four seconds just hit me every single time. And I just, yeah, it's a brilliant two-parter. Um, if you want to talk about bad CGI, when the cyber controller falls into the oh, exploding factory. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh dear. That's uh... a, <laughs> but we, we don't, we don't need to talk about that. That's fine. We'll discount that. But, um, What's um so out of like the revived series then? If um if we're talking like from two thousand five onwards, uh, I'll say what is your favourite series as a whole, and then do you have a favourite story out of any of those seasons? Oh, well, know, Chris question. Eccleston
1: has got to be my like guilty pleasure one, just because it's like that was the first one that I ever Likewise, saw. Yeah, you know, yeah. at, at one time in my life, that was all. There was for yep. Doctor Who. And, you know, I, I definitely do have a soft spot for that early cheesy Welsh era. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, by the time series four comes along, it just blows like this, especially the second half. It blows mm. so much uh, of the water. And I really, really appreciate the how everything from the very first episode of eccleston's era rose right up until uh journey's end all of that ties itself up in such a lovely little uh bow tie shall we say yeah Uh, yeah but i think i i I couldn't pick between series four and one just because Mm. i really like the both of them i think my favorite like story has got
0: to be the silence in the library forest of oh, the oh beautiful ones. beautiful story hmm. no that's that's cool man like se- se- series four is high up there for me again i re-watched uh turn left stolen earth journeys end recently and just that whole that whole you know how it just all unfolds is is brilliant really brilliant yeah um my favorite series and a lot of people hate on me for this it's series eight Oh, that's the one. That's, that's Capaldi's first one, right? It is. It is. Capaldi. Capaldi, in my opinion, is the best actor to take on the role of the Doctor. In my humble opinion, mm. and like you were saying towards you know the end of Matt Smith's time when we first watch it, you know, it, we were I think getting a bit, oh, we're not, you know, this isn't for us anymore. Like I personally felt, I love Matt Smith. Don't get me wrong, but towards the end, it was getting a bit too fairy tale for me, like a bit too whimsy, mm. and because i get what you mean about in some sense the shift to capaldi in one hand was more of the same maybe in terms of like you know story structures or whatever but for me like the the change in character like to that more like aggressive hard edge short-tempered i don't know what it was it maybe it was like like you said like the right time in my life or whatever but that clicked with me instantly so like from by the end of deep breath i'm like yeah I'm with you. Like I'm here. I'm, I'm down. And that whole series, I know a lot of people hate it because yeah, he's short tempered and he's short with people and, and all that sort of stuff. I think that that's partly what makes his character brilliant. I do agree with mellowing him through his tenure. I think it could have been done slower than what it was. Cause let's face it. When series nine started, they were like, let's basically write him like Matt Smith. Yeah. And then um, that's, you know, and he still killed it. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought the mellowing could have taken a lot longer. Um, but yeah i don't know just that 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 big shift and i still watch it now and i'm still i still love it i still love every single story in it regardless and yeah it's my favorite series so turn out listening if you don't like series 8 <laughs> and say you shouldn't like series 8 tough well it's hang on let, let
1: me let me pick your brain then what um no sure what because uh, i'm just looking at the like the episodes of that series and and yeah. in in fairness there are a couple of e- well, not a couple. There's a plenty of good episodes in that series. So, like the second, one, into the Dalek, is great. Mm, Listen, yeah. is an awesome episode. Yep. Um, f- Mummy on the Orient Express. Uh, try that one again. Mummy-, <laughs> Mummy, on the Orient Express was good. Yeah. Uh, Flatline yeah. is uh, so creative, and I even think the first part of the finale is really oh, good as well. Oh, yeah, dark water, yeah, absolutely, is really good. yeah. But. Then I look at oh, the the, the, the <laughs> one you, you're probably going to know exactly which one I'm going to ask Go about. Go on, in the forest of the night. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's uh,
0: the, the the one that I I always end up thinking about. Yeah, I will I will say it is my least favorite of the season. Mm. I'll give you, I'll give you that hundred <laughs> percent. Um, reasons why I like forest of the, in the forest of the night. Um. Are some of the elements of the story, like, a little bit cringe? Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, the whole thing at the very end where the bush disappears and oh, the, the missing yeah. girl... Go- I mean, why, well, one, why is she in a bush? Two, why? <laughs> just just why in general? Yeah. That, yeah, that's cringe, and some of the stuff is cringe with the kids, but then I'm like, yeah, but they're children actors, like, I've got to cut them some degree of slack, I suppose, but... Um, I don't know, I just think, again, how Capaldi interacts with those, like, child characters, because, of course, in this season, he's still very much a bit more, you know, hard-edged and short-tempered, and I just think that clash with, like, some of the kids is just really funny. Like, I love how, I love how, like, after a few seconds of them being in the TARDIS, you can, without him even saying it, you can see how, like, pissed he is. He's like, why have you done this? Why have you brought these children? And um, the whole, I don't know, the whole bit, like, towards the end, when they basically think the world is gonna, like, you know, burn up or whatever. Um, that whole thing of, you know, him saying, Oh well I'm well the, well, Clara saying that she'll stay or whatever and he's just really wants her to come with him because I think it's those little moments where you can tell he needs Clara, even though he in that season he doesn't, you know, outwardly say it, like, rarely ever. Mm-hmm. There's just I think In the Forest is more about little moments, if you get what I mean. It's not about like it's the grand part. spectacle of the episode. There's just there's many for me like small moments that I'm like, yes, like this is why I love Doctor Who, like and there's, there's that line at the end. I'm trying to remember it now. Like after the dangers passed, um, oh, it's like why? Oh, I all I remember is Capaldi saying, "If you felt, it's like if you felt the true pain or something, you'd stop having wars and stop having babies." It's something like it's something about feeling pain, basically. Got yeah. And he delivers man. it so beautifully again. Like that's why. In terms of, like, the speechy stuff, I know a lot of people don't like it when the Doctors do, like, big speeches, like, you know, the the war speech in the Zygon Inversion or the just-be-kind speech in The Doctor Falls, whatever. I don't mind him. I kind of love a speech. I mean, I'm an actor. I'm always looking for monologues, man. Yeah, I, need yeah. new, I need new monologues. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just think how he handles them compared to some of the other Doctors is just so... There's always, like, an air of sort of grandiose about it, in my mm, opinion. Yeah. He just feel like... I. I think with some speeches that Matt Smith did. So, you know, the Rings of Akaten, Ooh, again, another favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another favorite loved by everyone. That whole speech, you know, with the sun thing and everyone quotes it, you know, he's like, I can't remember what he says, yeah, Being you know, it's I a grand speech. <laughs> all I remember is take it all, baby, have it, which is like, okay. Yeah. Um, But that whole speech, yeah, like the speech, I thought was well-written, like mm-hmm. if you just read it like out of a script or a book, but the way Matt Smith did it, wasn't bad but i didn't believe him if that makes sense i didn't believe this guy had done all this stuff had lived all this stuff yeah. whereas
1: sorry I, go on. No, i was
0: just gonna say without a doubt we we have
1: we are dealing with a far more uh experienced actor uh oh, for sure compared to
0: matt smith and I think that helps. Again, not saying the Doctor shouldn't be a young actor. I'm all, no, I'm yeah, all for it. The, but...
1: uh, he's got a great speech in um, the Zygon Inversion, if I remember correctly.
0: Yes, yeah. And uh, th- I mean, that speech, again, he, he, there's one bit where he's saying, you know, I have fought in worse wars than you'll ever imagine. And when I close my eyes and then he stops. Yeah. And it's like, just the the way he goes about it. You believe this guy's been through all that, even mm-hmm. though it, he's a time-traveling alien with two hearts who's lived for like 1,200 years or whatever. Like you believe it or I believe it anyway. So yeah, no, Capaldi's my favourite doctor, and Series Eight's my favourite season. So, yeah, anyone listening, don't at me on Twitter, please. Don't come <laughs> after me saying you're wrong. You haven't been a fan of the show since 1963. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> there, there, will be. I bet you uh, there will be someone. There, there will, will be. be there's someone. There's always one. There's there's always one. Um, I am aware we're coming up to an hour, so sure. I will. Uh, I will wrap things up. But um, what one thing I will ask you is um what is your favorite and this can be anything doesn't have to be like the program itself but what is your favorite doctor who related memory if you don't mind sharing well it's oh
1: oh, you you asked me the really jammy question there (laughs) um so it
0: can be the tv show if you want i just think if there was anything like outside of just watching it you know like any experience or thing like that
1: well when i when i was when i was a wee lad when, when i was um you know when i was nine years old and mm. 2005 was rocking in and yeah um, i didn't actually watch uh eccleston's like uh, shall we say the comeback of the show from the very start uh, my very first oh. episode of doctor who was aliens of london the one with the slitheen oh uh,
0: yes and I was, I was absolutely
1: <laughs> terrified of it i am not kidding um this was like such a strange idea to me that like human beings would unzip themselves and then there's a great (laughs) big green thing inside. Um, So that was obviously, you know, a a memory to, you know, um, I think my mum um, softened the blow for the second uh, part of that because we, I remember we had uh, McDonald's that night (laughs) and at the time, you know, nine years old, that was just the best thing ever. But that was um, for the, for the birthday I had, um, after the series had finished, um, I had I got, like... Because they didn't come out in DVDs of, like, the whole series like at the time. No, it was, correctly.
0: like, volumes, wasn't it? That's yeah. right,
1: yeah. They had, like, three episodes at a time. Uh, or maybe even four on some of them. Yeah. If, if Bloody you hell, what a dark age. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's so weird to, like, uh, get nostalgic about that. But, like, it was so weird to me that, like, there were three episodes before... Um, aliens of london and i watched those first three over and over and over again because i had them on Mm. that that red cover i remember with Orton, doctor and rose and tardis and i just watched those three over and over because i've just never seen them before Um, of course and it it obviously makes a lot more sense now but that you know having those dvds and then i think because i got that 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 one red dvd on the birthday and then at a later date got the the following three episodes which had the mm-hmm. the slavine on and because in in a weird way even though they terrified me going back to them again was like reliving that experience in a strange yeah. way um just overcoming fear and watching those episodes that i like enjoyed so much and i still enjoy today um, even though i know that a lot of people don't really like those three those Mm. two slitheen episodes but they're they're definitely my kind of um, uh, gateway episodes shall we say and
0: uh, they're probably my fondest memories of uh, who related stuff no that's fair it's it's so weird like looking back on it because i think me and you have very similar experiences because well we were the same age for a start i was nine when it started And um, I only watched the first episode because, do you remember the old... Well, I don't know if you saw it at the time, but there was the trailers where, you know, Christopher Eccleston's saying, do you want to come with me? Like, for the trip of a lifetime or whatever. Uh, It was the TV trailer, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was watching TV with my parents. That came on, you know, no idea what it was. You know, Doctor Who, what's that? Never heard of it. And my dad, who obviously had watched it when he was a kid in the 60s, 70s and 80s, he said... Oh, um, that's coming back then, is it? Oh, you know, and they looked at me, and said, "Oh, you're the right age for this. You, you know, you should watch it. You'll like it."
1: Aww. So I was
0: like, "So I was like, all right, fair enough." So you know, when it was on, I sat down and yeah, I was hooked. And like that whole thing of plastic dummies coming to life, like yeah, you sort of can deal with it now. But you know, as you say, like when you're nine and seeing it, and when you see them in like the shops all the time, oh, yeah. that was that was a big deal. And I'm I, ashamed to say it now, but after seeing Dalek, I had nightmares about Daleks for weeks. I genuinely found them terrifying, That's especially so in that interesting. episode. I never I had was... like that fear for Daleks, but
1: mm. I remember when I did watch the when I had my first uh, Doctor Who like experience. That there was there was like the two weeks between when Aliens of London came out and when uh, Dalek came out. Um, I was told about the Daleks, you know, that they were the the big kind of bad guy yeah, of yeah, the yeah. show, but in my head. The image of a Dalek was so totally different from what actually appeared on screen that mm. I think, if I, if memory serves, I was quite disappointed with them.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that. That's that, again, that's interesting. You had that experience because when when the title came on, obviously being called Dalek again, you know, my mum and dad are going, "Oh, the Daleks are back," and I, I'd never seen a Dalek before, yeah. like, ever. And I think it was mainly the voice, but I mean, this is going to get me some flack. I'll say this before we wrap up, because... Sure, yeah, yeah. But um, I think it was partly, you know, the voice, the design, the fact you couldn't see, well, until the end, what was inside them. But I also partly blame Doctor Who Confidential for my nightmares, right? And this is going to sound so daft now, but for that episode, Dalek, they showed a montage of, like, the Daleks, you know, from the classic series and the two 60s movies. Yeah. Just of them, like, you know, doing what they do, killing people, destroying things, etc. But they played this montage with the background music of O oh, Fortuna. Oh my god. So you're like, Oh Fortuna. Yeah, yeah. And you, their voice mixed in with it. And I don't know what it was, but the mix of that music and them, like, coming at you to the screen, screaming exterminate, I found horrifying and my nightmares would partly be that i'd see daleks coming towards me with that music like ringing in my ears, so Jesus. yeah, it's silly now, <laughs> but yeah, Doc Two Confidential. Thank you so much for my PTSD <laughs> towards Daleks. Um, but no, we are on an hour, so Harry, mate, again, thank you so so much for coming. It's been a blast chatting with you. I hope you've enjoyed it as well.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh, oh yeah, no, I always appreciate being invited onto these things, man. Uh, I'll, I'll um, yeah, I'll definitely be up for doing another one in the in the future with you, man. Of course.
0: No, absolutely, that that'd be great, and I'll I'll keep watching the videos. I believe you. you You've just finished up, uh, you've just started the specials, haven't you? The tenant specials? That's right, yeah. I've, yeah. I've,
1: I've got two scripts ready for um, the the Waters of Mars, and uh, I also ended up writing, uh, it's going to be exclusively on Patreon, but the, oh, okay. Um, yeah. the, the, sorry, the, the Waters of Mars one, uh, the video will be on the channel, but the, um, I, I missed an episode, the Unquiet Dead, the Charles Dickens yes. episode. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten a script ready for that as well, which will, the, the video for that one will be exclusively on patreon but waters of mars will definitely be on youtube probably within the next week or so
0: amazing and uh guys if you're listening and aren't already go and subscribe to harry on youtube and follow him on twitter as well are you on any other platforms or are those your main two uh discord and um yeah it's just mainly uh twitter and discord outside of youtube that's fair. Going for and also congrats on nearly being at 100k. Oh, get so close! Uh, no, I, I looked this morning. It was like 99k. I was uh, like, yeah. oh, he's getting there. <laughs> but no, you'll is it? You'll get that play button. Oh yeah. Think yes. about that play button. So, um. But no, yeah. Go and subscribe to Harry. Follow him on Twitter and join the Discord server. All of that lovely stuff. And yeah, just once more, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise, man. All the best. Cheers, man. And for you guys listening, until the next instalment, we will catch you next time on AMTV Radio.